Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast, emergency edition, Saturday morning podcast. We're recording this. It's exactly 9.27 a.m. on the Pacific time zone. We have a schedule. We have dates. We have games. We know who Oregon is playing and when, and we're going to break it all down here on the Autzen Audibles podcast. But first, I want to remind you guys, you can subscribe today for as low as $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that. Get the inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the entire 24-7 Sports Network, not just our site, but the entire network. Exclusive recruiting coverage, access to Duck insiders like myself, Eric, Kevin Wade, and a host of other guys within our network. All for $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that. Hey, the season's here. Time to jump on board. Let's, let's, let's get on. Uh, we've got a huge community. It's grown tremendously. Uh, thank you for everyone who has supported us. And if you haven't, now is the perfect time to, to, to try. Eric, we have a schedule. Uh, we were wondering all week when this was going to come out. And we finally have seen what the league is has presented and what the league uh, has come up with when it comes with uh, a schedule. And six games starting November 7th in the Pac-12. It ends with a week seven championship week, December 18th and the 19th. And this will be a week in which the Pac-12 North champion plays the Pac-12 South champion. And then, you know, Pac-12 North two versus Pac-12 South two all the way down the line. No buys. So there's very little wiggle room for any of these teams to play a full schedule with the pandemic still going on, but they're going to attempt it. And quite honestly, with the daily testing and the other uh, agreement they've come up with where they're getting uh, the physical testing as well. um, I think the league has set itself up where they're in a good position to try and maneuver this from an Oregon perspective. Let's run through the schedule real quick. Week one home game against Stanford, November 7th, week two, November 13th or 14th. That is a Saturday, November 14th game at Washington State. They then come home for a a short week Friday game, November 20th against the UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly. Following week, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, November 27th, another Friday game, Oregon plays at OSU. And then December 5th, they play at Cal, and they close out the season with a home game against the Washington Huskies on December 12th. We have a schedule. I'm excited. It's officially real. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And, and we should say this is the third time we've seen one, and we're pretty sure they're actually going to play this schedule. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the third version of what we've seen. Um, I'll, I'll jump in with kind of the things that stood out to me looking at this. I guess the first thing was uh, UCLA being the crossover uh, divisional game. Uh, you know, I think – we knew it was going to be, I think, either UCLA or Colorado, I believe was the way it kind of was presented. Yeah. Um, I think there was sort of kind of go either way in terms of which game was going to be. In terms of like which game, which team is more challenging for Oregon, I think UCLA is the better team than Colorado, at least with what we expect this season. Um, a little bit more continuity, Carl Durrell taking over at Colorado, UCLA going into Chip Kelly's third year. Haven't been very good so far. Um, but at least this is he's had some opportunity to kind of build some things there. Um, second time he'll be coming to Eugene. That's going to be pretty crazy, um, this time in an empty stadium. So um, that was kind of an interesting thing. I think that kind of j- jumps out right away. And then the other thing for me is just the fact that a third of the games are going to be played on Friday. 
Um, typically, we've seen the Pac-12 play. I think Oregon's played one or, or, or at least one Friday game what, each of the last couple of seasons. Playing two in back-to-back weeks, kind of interesting here, um, especially um, a rivalry game with Oregon State, like you said, on the 27th. Uh, we should note that I believe Oregon has uh, placed California the following week after that Friday game um, on that Saturday. The, the, the Golden Bears also play on a Friday prior to that against Stanford. So it, it will be even in terms of the lead up for that game, which we'll get to what games are maybe the most difficult on the schedule. That Cal game certainly up there. And so um, those are a couple of things that stood out. Just the fact that you've got UCLA in there as the crossover, the only non Pac-12 North team on the, on the, on the docket this season. And then a couple of Friday games make things kind of interesting. Also interesting that they happen in consecutive weeks. A couple of things outside of the Oregon perspective in the Pac-12, USC won't play Cal for the first time since 1925. Wow. UCLA-Cal also interrupted for the first time since the series began in 1933. Uh, Oregon and USC won't play each other, at least in the regular season. I'm going to call it the regular season, the first six games. Um, The Ducks were scheduled to host the Trojans. Uh, That's a big game that's off the docket. But nonetheless, um, I I think – you look at this and say something had to give and you, you have to take that. I think Oregon would rather play UCLA with a potential USC game than playing USC first, maybe losing, maybe winning and playing a one loss USC team again. Um, also of note, USC opens the season first. Uh, yep. they, they play at home uh, against the Arizona state Sun Devils, 9am kickoff on Fox uh, that's going to be an interesting one, nonetheless. Uh, I don't like it because it's your two perceived Pac-12 South favorites playing off against each other week one, and one of them is eliminated from the race, essentially. Uh, you also have some games where Cal and Washington play each other week one. Don't really like that either. Um, those are two, you know, I think Cal is probably second, UW is probably third in the Pac-12 North standings, you know, perceived projections going into the year, and Quite frankly, I just don't like the outcome of, you know, your better teams playing each other week one. I understand you want marquee games, but not week one because you eliminate, you know, discussion and eyeballs, you know, paying attention to those teams. So, uh, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I actually think from an Oregon perspective now, shifting it back to the green and yellow, I think Oregon's schedule is set up about as perfectly as it possibly can because – you, you play in your first four opponents of the year, Stanford, Washington State, UCLA, and Oregon State. None of those four teams uh, had a winning record last year. The, the team with the best record last year is Washington State, and they went six and seven, and they have a coaching change. They have starters on both sides of the ball that are having to re- be replaced, key starters at that. Uh, they were not looked at as a team going into a normal 2020 football season that was going to be – one of the better teams in the league. Uh, OSU, you could maybe argue, is going to be a little bit better uh, than they were last year. But uh, I I still think Oregon's talent gap is significantly wider than than what OSU's is. Stanford is a team that's been just decimated by – first it was the transfer portal. Guys entering the transfer portal left and right. Now it's been opt-outs. They've had a a star offensive lineman opt-out. They've had a star cornerback opt-out. Two potential first-round draft picks have opted out of the season. Uh, you get them first, and it's a home game. And I think Washington State is the perfect time when you play them. You don't get them week one, 
which is, I think, ideal because you don't know what that offense is going to look like with Rolovich as head coach. You don't know what the system is going to look like or who the personnel is going to be. Uh, but you also get them week two, and you knew it was going to be a road game, so you get them week two before the weather really gets nasty in Pullman, and you've got a little bit of film on them, and they're probably not fully in sync yet. I think great points, and I agree. The schedule – and this was going to happen regardless because they couldn't play all of these cross-divisional right. games with a seven-game schedule. But I just pulled up the rankings that I posted um, back in late July when they uh, announced the 10-game conference-only schedule. And, and this updated schedule eliminates what I thought was the second-most difficult game, what I thought was the third-most difficult game, and what I thought was the fifth-most difficult game from the schedule. So, um, And we'll get to where my rankings are now in a second here, but I'm with Matt in terms of – and this isn't the Pac-12 doing Oregon any, like, intentional favors this is the fact that you're cutting out these cross-divisional games and it just so happens three of the games that got cut out um, were against the teams that are favored to be the biggest contenders in the Pac-12 South and that is a benefit to Oregon here without question and I agree with Matt in terms of the way this plays out you open up with arguably your four easiest opponents we'll get to that in a second and you close with your two best opponents. And I don't think that's a negative thing at all. And especially when you're looking at what the narrative will be going into those last two games there. If Oregon's 4-0, that game against Cal in Berkeley on December 5th becomes a marquee game that people will be keeping tabs on. And that game on December 12th in Eugene against Washington will certainly be that game. So you're right in terms of the national eyes, if Oregon and the Pac-12 is actually going to be considered for those college football playoff we'll be able to focus on Oregon going into their last two games, assuming they take care of business and win those first four, which I think we both feel pretty good about. Yeah, let's just assume Oregon takes care of business, goes into the championship game 6-0, and and let's assume ASU or USC, one of those two teams, takes care of business, and they go into the championship game 6-0. and That's going to be a top 10, top 15 matchup. Yep. And leading up until that game, Oregon will have played against two opponents, Cal and Washington, uh, probably – in which either of those teams, one of them probably most likely will be a top 25 team, and the other one will still garner some kind of national recognition for, by playing it. And look, the reality is is you, the argument is you want either a, a softest of a schedule as possible or of a hard of a schedule as possible uh, to get into that college football playoff. That's the kind of the two sides. I think you want the softest schedule possible because the college football race in 2020 for the playoff – you don't have non-conference games. You don't have the ability to gauge how good the Big 12 is against the Pac-12. You don't have the idea to gauge how good the Big 10 is compared to the Pac-12 or the ACC or the SEC. All these teams really aren't playing anybody, and you're relying on your own league power. And so the, the really the, there's two conferences in my mind where the league is so good and is perceived to be so good that – you can suffer a loss and still get into the playoff. That's the SEC, and that's the Big Ten. Um, the ACC, you lose a game, you're probably out. Um, you, you, you're in the Big 12. I mean, we're, people are already writing off Oklahoma uh, as, a, as a game where they've lost, and there's not enough marquee games to, to get there. So I look at it as, look, who cares what the analytics say about the teams that you're playing? Because those go out the window. This is an eye test. How good do you look when people look at your box score? Do they see 24-17 or do they see 63-17? What, what are they, they going to look at? And that, what's going to impress you the most? 
And who cares the level of competition? It's how good do you look right now? Are, are you dominating teams and just putting up, you know, crooked numbers on the scoreboard and scoring left and right? And that's what's going to get you into the playoff discussion, going undefeated and looking damn good doing it. This schedule sets that up for Oregon. They, they're going to look really good, I think, the first four weeks of the season. And then by that time, hopefully, they've kind of gotten through their, their rust. They've, they've kind of worked through the bumps in the road and replacing a Penny Sewell, replacing a Justin Herbert, replacing a Troy Dye, and replacing a Thomas Graham or Diamante Lenore or Javon Holland. And by the time that their difficult air quote games get on the schedule, Cal, Washington, championship week, they're firing all cylinders and they've looked good doing it. I'm with you, Matt. I think this, I like this schedule for Oregon. This is the third one we've seen. Frankly, this is the most winnable and I think the most favorable version yet. The first two versions had some tough games, non-conference. Like I said a second ago, the 10-game schedule had some really tough crossover games with the Pac-12 South. You remove those, and what you're looking at now is a very favorable schedule that I, I really truly think sets Oregon up to go 6-0 and um, and play whoever it is from the Pac-12 South, conceivably for a spot in the college football playoff. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to go through Eric's rankings of the toughest games on the schedule for the Oregon Ducks. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel with me, breaking down on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, I should say, uh, Oregon's new revised 2020 schedule third time's the charm the third act of the schedule play for the pac 12 third time they've released the schedule um let's break this down who's the i think i have an idea here but i want to hear it from you first oregon's easiest game on the schedule in your eyes i think it's ucla i think it's the crossover game and i think there's a decent argument you could make for stanford being that team, especially with some of the opt-outs, but I, I think the continuity there is even slightly better. I know they don't have KJ Costello, and boy, do they wish they had him if they were watching what Mississippi State has done the last couple of weeks. But I look at what UCLA, UCLA and how they've looked the last couple of years. They've been really slow out of the gates. Um, you think about going 0-4 in, in non-conference last year and then actually being pretty competitive in Pac-12 play. That has kind of been what's happened to Chip the last couple of years. This is the third game of this season. Um, it is on a Friday night, which adds kind of some bizarreness, bizarre nature to it. But I still look at that and think that's the most winnable game on the schedule. And, and again, I'm with Matt. I think really you're looking at two games that are really challenging, maybe a third here. And we'll talk about it in a second. Um, but the rest of them look pretty easy. And this to me is the, the most winnable of the, of the six. Among the Pac-12 North games, I think it's going to be Washington State. But is that the game you look at as the easiest? I actually want Stanford there. Um, uh, just because Stanford will be at home, uh, first game of the season, Washington state's on the road. And again, Washington state's still weird to me because like you said a second ago, we don't know exactly what we're getting from Nick Rolovich's offense. And I think they could kind of, they could be, it could be a challenging game because of that, because there's going to be a little bit less known there. Whereas Stanford, at least, you know what you're getting from the Cardinal and frankly, Oregon, I think is so much more well this is a team that they're well equipped to defend again as well um with with the way everything is in the front seven with the question marks in the secondary you think about who would you rather face with some of those concerns early in the season a stanford team who looked pretty putrid trying to throw the football at times last year or a washington state team that is i know 
we haven't seen Nick Rolovich's offense yet, but that's what he does as well. I think I posted this before. Washington State fifth or led the country last year in passing offense. Hawaii, where Rolovich was at last year, was fifth. So this is going to be a lot more of that kind of aired out offense from Washington State. I still think the Stanford game to me is slightly easier, partly because it's at home. Now, your three toughest games of the schedule. Yeah, and I, I really think the rivalry game on November 27th against Oregon State is going to be, you know, I think, I think Oregon is closing with the three most challenging games, is I guess yep. where I'm at. Um, I agree. You know, I, I think Oregon State is improved you know, from where they were the last couple of years. I, I don't know if they'll finish above Stanford and Washington State in the standings. I think some of that's going to come up on – I mean, th- this is all – you've only got six games here, and it really could come down to matchups. You can also throw out just the bizarre nature of we're seeing postponements and games cancellations. Well, what about players being held out of games? Well, how does that impact – you know, there are games are going to be played with players that test positive for COVID. How does that impact things? But I, I look at Oregon State, and I think there is a rivalry component there. It's a road game, one of three road games for Oregon. And frankly, Oregon State, I just think, is headed in the right direction. I trust what I've seen from Jonathan Smith. They're like Oregon. They'll have had three games leading up to it to kind of get a rhythm. And this will maybe be the first time all season that you could say maybe both Oregon and Oregon State heading into what is a rivalry game. I don't want to say they're firing on all cylinders, but they'll have had the necessary games behind them to kind of feel like they're, they're equipped well enough going into what is the stretch run of the season three straight games at the end here that I think are tough for the Ducks. Now, what's, what's the game in your eyes? Or if Oregon's going to lose a game, is it, is, are you simply going to go out and say it's Oregon's toughest game of the year, or could there be one that could maybe catch them up? I think that's tough. Um, you know, I think the way the schedule sets up, it's hard to get to think they would get tripped up here. Um, unless it's like that Oregon State game. And, I mean, you could see – I mean, and I think that's hard because it's a rivalry game. And last year's game was pretty competitive, right? I mean, I think people maybe overlooked the fact that Oregon obviously won the Pac-12 Rose Bowl, all those things, and yet was really kind of in a back-and-forth game for the most part with Oregon State with their backup quarterback last year um, in, in that rivalry game. So um, I think that would be the one that would maybe concern me, but I also look at it and say – this is a Mario Cristobal coach football team. I think they're going to have their head on right. And if they don't, that would be surprising to me because you, you look at the way those last three games play out. And I just think you, you're basically, it's a six game season. I don't see how you get lost, you know, looking ahead. Um, there's not a whole lot to look ahead to. So I think those last two games against Cal and Washington, I have Cal written down as the most challenging game. Again, that one's on the road. Whereas the game against the Huskies is at home. I think that matters, even though there won't be fans in the stands, just from the way the lead up to the game, the um, the travel element of things where you're sleeping, you know, in your own bed as opposed to in a hotel in another city. Um, so I have that game more difficult. But I really think those two games to me are so much – they're on a different level. You know, to me, you got the three first games of the season, which I think are against the easier opponents. That's kind of one, I guess, level one of in terms of the challenges. And then I think Oregon State's kind of its own – level level two there and then the top level to me is just so far ahead and that's Cal and Washington those are the two games I really think could in theory challenge the Ducks a lot of this is going to come down to what we see with Washington over the, the course of the season and frankly I, I think it's cool that Oregon and Washington is the final game of the yeah. regular season we don't typically see that obviously it's typically Oregon Oregon State um, it'll be fun to see where both programs are at and frankly I think both programs have a lot of questions to, to answer and getting them the final game of the season should provide hopefully the best versions of both teams 
you know, in a big marquee game to set up a possible college football playoff berth for Oregon and, and I guess possibly Washington, although I don't think they're quite at the Ducks level this year. I, I think it's pretty cool that Oregon, Oregon State is, tr- is played on a traditional date. That's always a Thanksgiving game, uh, weekend game. And strange enough, the cycle's kind of changed a little bit um, the last couple of years for various reasons. But the, the two teams typically would play in Eugene on a Friday night and they would, the day after Thanksgiving, and then they would play in Corvallis the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, but the league is, has done a good job, and they, they are still scheduling that, that game at that time. Um, that weekend is just flipped. The game's now on a Friday in Corvallis instead of in Eugene. So Oregon next year will be on a Saturday most likely uh, unless Oregon requests it to be a, a Friday. Um, nonetheless, uh, I think that's cool. I also agree with you. It's kind of cool to end the year with Washington. I look at that as that's, that's the, the rivalry game. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, Oregon, Oregon State's always going to turn into a rivalry game. That game's always going to be um, viewed as, you know, internally – in the state of Oregon, a big game. But I think outside the country, no, you know, not that many people are going to be tuning in to catch Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon, Washington, certainly. That game, two marquee programs, no offense to the Beavs, uh, but nonetheless, two bigger names, two bigger programs, uh, two coaches that are, that are pretty pro, you know, from a Pac-12 footprint standpoint, high-profile names. Um, Jimmy Lake from a coordinator standpoint, Chris Ball as a head coach standpoint, the lake is now obviously the head coach at UW. Um, the rivalry is pretty bitter. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see this game and uh, the regular season type of a deal. Now let's end it here. Knowing Oregon's schedule, Stanford at Washington state, UCLA at OSU at Cal home, Washington, they go seven and zero. Do you feel like the PAC 12 and the ducks have a, have a voice in the discussion for the college football playoff. Do you, do you feel like the schedule sets it up where they should have a voice in it if they go seven and zero? I 100% think they should have a voice. I'm a little bit skeptical, just and, and maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe maybe I'm thinking too overthinking this. But you watch the college football game day and the way they discuss the Pac-12, and it's basically there's no margin for error. There's no room for error. They even suggest that. They could see a Pac-12 team going unbeaten, maybe getting left out um, if there are games that are postponed or canceled. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's another thing to think about here is we've got this schedule in front of us. It looks great. There is no uh, – they're, they're not wrong in that there's no margin for error in terms of – there's no bye weeks put in here. Um, they're working on a schedule to get their championship game played on the 18th. If there's a game that can't be played, it just doesn't get played. Um, and you're not going to see that game get played at a later date unless you – see that game get played at a later date after a bowl game or something, which would make no sense in the big picture here. So uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical here of how the Pac-12 is going to be perceived in this. I think the thing that is concerning is that element of they're getting this started so much later than everybody else. And I think there are going to be, and we've already seen this a little bit with the ballots, and we should note that the explanation from those in the AP that didn't include the Pac-12 was was simply they don't want to include a team with no games played. But I, I do think the Pac-12 has done themselves like kind of no favors in this. And again, I, I've said it before. I'm on the record saying I'm in support of the way they've handled this. But if you're looking at it purely from a college football playoff perspective, they're in a bit of a tough spot here. I, I mean, I think if we're talking about what the schedule provides, I think Oregon has a great shot to go 6-0. and I think they have a great shot to win the Pac-12 championship game against whoever the South presents um, and be 7-0. and 
I'm also just a little bit skeptical of, of how they're going to be perceived. Um, I, I think they're going to have to be really, really impressive. They're going to have to be very dominant. I don't know if there's really room for and this is, and I don't even say a loss, but for a tight game that's not against maybe Cal or Washington. Like if Oregon plays, if Washington State plays Oregon tough and tight like they have the last five years, I could see that being in Washington State. Let's say goes three and four. Uh, and Oregon still wins that game, I could see that being held up as a, oh, well, look at that. That was basically, you know, that, that they didn't dominate. They weren't, they didn't pass the eye test there. So I think they should be included in the conversation. And I think they will, but I also am skeptical of ultimately what that looks like when it all comes together. Cause I think they're there. It seems like they're almost already building a case against the PAC 12, at least when you're watching the TV shows. I, I agree. I, I think you go seven and oh, and simply being seven and oh, isn't going to be enough. And it wasn't going to be enough if you played, you know, the five, the six toughest teams in the league either. Um, sure. You you have to be seven to zero, and you have to look good doing it. You have to, you have to blow out teams. That's why I think that we're gonna we're gonna see some cook, you know, some some kooky scores uh, this year in college football. Um, we're gonna see some teams continue to throw the ball in the third quarter aggressively, trying to put up points when maybe they're already starting to ease up and, and run the clock out in the third quarter or early fourth quarter, for that matter. We're, we're going to see teams try and put up as many points as they possibly can and not, let, not, not get off the gas at all because it's an eye test. It's eye candy. How good do you look? And for Oregon, they, they can't have uh, a game where they open against Stanford and they do what they did last year and they yeah. win like 21 to, to, 21 to 3 or something of that nature. Like they, they have to dominate. They have to blow out the Cardinal. It doesn't have to be 63 to zero or something of that nature, but they got to put up 40 points. They, they got to walk off that football field knowing the game was over at halftime against Washington state. Same deal. They, they can't, they can't win this game 32, 29. Uh, they can't win on a game winning field goal like they did last year. They got to walk off in the blowout fashion. UCLA, same deal. They can't walk off that field w- without a blowout. And the Beavers, the same deal. Now, Cal, Washington, and if Oregon is fortunate enough to get to that conference championship game and they play another undefeated team at 6-0 and uh, from the Pac-12 South, then, yeah, those games you can win 35-21, 35-24, that, that type of a deal. You, you can win. Um, Last-minute scenario is probably not ideal, but you can still walk away with a win no matter what. Um, I think if the pack, the, the worst case scenario here is Oregon goes six and zero in the regular season, and the Pac-12 South champion has one loss, or God forbid, two losses already. If that's even possible, um, that's the worst case scenario where your Pac-12 South champion, or for that matter, the Pac-12 North champion. If we're just talking Pac-12 in general, um, one of those two t- divisional champs having a loss or two already on their belt that just deflates the entire purpose. And I'll say that the to me the real worst case is is one of the team games in the schedule doesn't get played. Yeah. Um, and then you're and now you're handcuffed even further and and it would really be a bummer if that takes place just because there are only a finite number of games already played just from a enjoyment perspective. But then the college football playoff goes probably out the window and that could be something that's completely out of everybody's control here. So I mean this is the kookiness of this this season here of hey Oregon could be unbeaten but if it's not the right unbeaten, it probably isn't going to matter. And I, I think that stinks, but this, this year has proven to be a lot of stink. So I don't, I don't know if I should be expecting anything else. Yeah, it, it would have been ideal if the league could have figured out a way to have at least one makeup week 
um, sprinkled in somewhere during the season just because uh, seeing games get postponed. Uh, I don't believe there's any this week from a college football standpoint, but we're seeing it play out in the NFL, uh, potentially even as you know, recently as today, Saturday. Yeah, might be two uh, games. Yeah, the Chiefs and the – Chiefs and the Patriots now are on the, you know, on potentially being postponed because of COVID-19 testing. And that goes already in, in line with the Titans and um, the Steelers game being postponed because of COVID. So it's happening at the pro level. It's happening at the college level. Uh, the Pac-12 is going to have to do something uh, that, that's quite honestly seems very difficult to do of knocking out the factor of having to postpone games. But nonetheless, we have a schedule. We have dates. We know who Oregon's playing. Fall camp opens up in a week. We're back, baby. We're back. Thank you for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Breen. We'll talk to you soon. Let's play.